Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Do you believe that, that the Spirit of the Lord is here? If that's the case, then it's not a coincidence that you're here today. Maybe you're here because somebody forced you to come or your car ran out of gas in the parking lot and you thought you'd spend a few minutes. But whatever brought you into this room today is not a surprise to God. He expects you to be here and he has something for you uh, that's going to bless you while you're here. Now, maybe you're going to leave in a second and think, well, where was that blessing? Well, maybe you were supposed to have been a blessing to someone God brought into your life uh, today as well. But God does have something for you here in this place this morning. Hey, I wanted to bring you some updates uh, on what's going on in the building. You probably found some of your normal ways of coming and going have changed even starting this morning. So I wanted to give you an update on all the projects going on. First of all, the new preschool area is really going well. It's probably going to be finished by mid-July. Uh, right now, we have a lot of different Sunday school classes and Bible studies that are meeting in closets and staff offices and quilters rooms. And uh, over the next two or three months, that will slowly begin to change. You'll actually get a Sunday school room uh, back or something like that. So uh, that's got about another two, two and a half months, and that project will be finished. If you parked in the uh, the new lot out there, the Westport Road lot, you probably saw that the stairs and that whole entrance uh, has now been blocked off. That's because the new elevator and the new entrance is going to be starting this week, uh, which is very exciting. That'll take a couple of months as well, be done about the same time. If you do park in the Westport Road lot, we now have a new entrance in by the old elevator and stairs there where you can just walk through there and go up that way. So you can still use that lot, get directly into the building uh, as well. Uh, so a lot going on. Uh, they've already started construction of a new canopy uh, out in front of the uh, main rotunda here where uh, if it's raining, you can drop people off uh, here and not get wet which means men, you still get wet, but your wives and kids won't. Uh, so that, that's always a, yeah, thank you. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Uh, so a lot going on right now, and uh, appreciate your prayers. Uh, there'll be a new chapel in what is the, currently the nursery. In the next week or two, all of those rooms in the main hallway with the Noah's Ark on them, all those rooms will be closed. And uh, so a lot will be happening, a lot of changes Remember when uh, Spaghetti Junction and all that was being done with the bridge and they said, ignore everything you used to know and just follow the signs. Well, over the next couple of months, that's going to be the way it is here. Ignore everything you used to know and just follow the signs and you'll eventually get uh, to where you need to be. Appreciate your patience and amazing to see what God is doing. Well, today is the 13th anniversary of my coming as your pastor to this church. And... Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, surely he's about done and he'll go somewhere else now after 13 years and that's going on. Well, when I first came, I'd never been in a church that had a minister of pastoral care like Larry Percival, somebody that visited all the hospitals, does all that work. And, and uh, Larry does such a tremendous job there. And thank you, Alan. You didn't clap for me, but you clapped for Larry. I appreciate that. 
Well, uh, when I very first came 13 years ago in the month of May, after a week or two here, Larry took a golf retreat with several of the guys in the church and they went to Florida. And so uh, whenever Larry leaves on vacation, he always schedules people's surgeries at like five in the morning or something like that. So I have to get up really early. And, uh, but he said, hey, we've got one lady that's just gone in the hospital. She's a senior adult. She's at Auburn Hospital. You need to see her. So Larry took off for the golf retreat. I came to work the next day. Uh, our receptionist called down the hospital and she said, she's in room 349. So I go down to Audubon Hospital. I walk in. Sure enough, there's a senior adult lady in room 349. I walk in and I said, hi, I'm your new pastor. And she looks at me a little bit quizzically and says, well, that's nice. And we start talking. I find out about her and her family and what's going on. We have a great visit. And then I'm getting up to leave. I ask if she'd like to pray. She does. And then as I'm walking out of the room, she said, what church are you with? And I said, Westport Road Baptist Church. And she said, I don't go to Westport Road Baptist Church. I've never even heard of Westport Road Baptist Church. But we had a good visit anyway. It's just that sometimes when you're sent somewhere, it doesn't always work out the way that you want it to. Well, we're going to look into uh, Luke chapter 10 today. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be talking about 72 people that Jesus sent out. And we're going to see what happens uh, as they go. Luke chapter 10 beginning with verse one. And the first thing we see is this, Jesus is sending us out to make a difference in the world. Jesus is sending us out to make a difference in the world. Look at verse one. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. Now it's interesting if you look back to chapter nine, verse one, Jesus had done the exact same thing with just the twelve. The, the 12 disciples he had sent out and said, uh, go preach my word. He sent them out two by two. And now a chapter later, he's sending out 72 people. Now we often think of Jesus by himself uh, with just the 12 disciples. But in reality, Jesus had a large group of people uh, that not only believed in him, but followed him and took care of their needs. And 72 of those have now been sent out. And in verse one, we're told they have a very particular mission. Uh, the, the 12 in chapter nine were just sent out generally, uh, wherever they wanted to go to, to tell about Jesus. Uh, but the 72 were sent to all the towns and villages where Jesus himself was going to show up. They were the advanced team. They were supposed to prepare the people for the coming of Jesus and the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, it's kind of like several years ago, Louisville hosted, uh, one of the last Billy Graham crusades. Uh, it was about, I guess, 14 years ago that that happened, right before I came here. And uh, in that, during that crusade, a year to two years before Billy Graham ever came, his people were already on the ground in Louisville, meeting with churches, getting everything set up, getting the counselors. They were getting everything prepared for when Billy Graham showed up. And that's exactly uh, what these uh, 72 have been sent out to do in two by two. It's interesting when you look at verse 3, Jesus says to them, go, I am sending you. Now, I find that interesting because that is still what he's saying to the church today. Go, I am sending you. But the message the church often hears today is come and stay. Uh, instead of go, I'm sending, it's come and stay. And the church doesn't go all the time. The church isn't as interested as it should be in fulfilling the main mission of Christ, which is go into a dark world. I'm sending you to make a difference in this world. 
Brother, what we think of the church as is we think of the church as a fortress. So all these bad things are out there in the world. And if I happen to get in here, I don't have, you know, now I can relax. The bad world's out there. I'm surrounded by all of you good Christians who never do anything wrong. And, you know, it's so nice to be in here with you. And I don't have to worry about the big bad world. I can keep it away. The truth of the matter, though, is that the exact opposite of what the church is supposed to be about. We are not a fortress against a bad world. We are an advanced unit about to attack the world. So when you come into this place, you're supposed to get healing for the scars out there in the world. You're supposed to get encouragement. You're supposed to get patience and love while you're in here and forgiveness. When you come into this place, you're supposed to be trained and encouraged. And then you're supposed to go out and make a difference in the world. This isn't the end all for a Christian. This is the place you come for for encouragement and love and strength and training so that you can make a difference because you're being sent out into the world. Go, I am sending you, Jesus says, not come and stay. But that's the church's message too many times. We don't go, we say, hey, we're here, come if you want to. And if you come, you can be a part of us if we like you enough or something like that, you know, come and stay. When the message of Jesus is, go, I'm sending you. So Jesus tells these 72, go, I'm sending you out into the world to make a difference. And then he tells them two things that's going to happen as they go out into the world. Two things that they need to know. So look down to verse 2 and we see the first one. He tells them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the first thing Jesus tells them is the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, what harvest is he talking about here? The harvest of people that are ready and ripe to hear the good news of Jesus and to respond to it. There's a, there's a world of people out there who, if they only heard the good news, if they only encountered someone that, that brought them the good news of Jesus, would make a change, would come to God, but there's too few people to go out and do anything about it. Now, is the problem there's too few Christians to do anything? That's not the problem. We have Christians everywhere. You can't drive through the city of Louisville without seeing a church. Uh, where, where I pastored in Virginia on the street corner we were on, there were four churches on our street corner. You would have thought that was the most religious block in all of Virginia. You couldn't even walk through it without walking into a church parking lot or something like that. So the problem isn't there aren't Christians. The problem is we're not going, even though he's sending us. We're staying and trying to stay away from the bad world. And so he says, the harvest is plentiful. You know, statistics in Louisville, Kentucky say that in the city of Louisville on a given Sunday, about 18% of people will attend a church service. 18%. That means uh, 82% are doing something else. That was advanced math, but I went to Odom County Public Schools, okay? And uh, I'm I'm hoping that was right. Anyway, anyway, you know, uh, so 18% on a given Sunday. What if we doubled that? What if we got so evangelistic and so inspired, we doubled what's going on in the city of Louisville? You know what it would mean? It would mean 64% of the city of Louisville still had no interest or didn't come to a church. 
We could double every church and it wouldn't make a dent in what is going on in this city. The harvest is plentiful. It's not just that there's a lot of people out there. It's that there are people who are ready to respond if only someone was going and telling them about Jesus Christ, but nobody's doing it. We come in here and we sit in the pews and, or excuse me, we sit in our chairs and, uh, uh, and aren't they nice and comfortable? But, but, oh, thank, thank you, thank you. Uh, we'll see if the second server says that. And uh, uh, so, so we come in this room and, and, and we come into this place and then we want everything done the way we want it. I want the kind of music I want. I want to sit in the kind of place I want. I want everything to be exactly as I want it. And if it's not, I'll go to another place. And so the whole thing is about what's going to help us and encourage us. When what Jesus is saying is you're missing the point, go, I'm sending you, the harvest is plentiful. We talked about 18% of the people in Louisville go to church on a given Sunday. If you go to Oldham County, good Oldham County, I live in Oldham County. I was raised in Oldham County. You know, as soon as you cross the line, there's this pretense of elegance that just, you know, it just just happens to come up when you drive through there or something like that. Well, when you go into Oldham County, 14% of the people in Oldham County will go to church on an average Sunday. It is one of the lowest in the state of Kentucky. And do you know why? Because where does everybody from Oldham County move from? They moved from Jefferson County. They moved from Louisville. And when they get to Oldham County, the church they were going is too far away for them to drive. So what do they do? They just stop going. They don't find another church. They just stop going. And so Oldham County is actually less than Jefferson County. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, let me ask you something. What if I said to you, I want you to use every contact you've got, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your work, your school, use every contact that you have. Do you think that in one year, if you used every contact you had and you really tried, you could lead one person to Jesus Christ and bring them into this church? Who thinks they could do that if you, if you really tried to do it? What if I said to you, okay, that's too much. I don't expect you to, you know, a year is just too short a time, 365 days. What if I gave you two years to do that? Think you could do that? What if I gave you three years to do that? In three years, all I expect is through every contact you have in three years to make a difference in one person's life and lead them to Christ. Every person in this room should surely say, in three years, I would be able to do that. Okay, everybody agree with that? In three years, if you did everything you could, you could lead one person to Christ and bring them into this church. All right, well, then that's my simple challenge to you. In the next three years, do that in one person's life. Where's Mike Hauser? Mike, if you will start planning and redrawing everything you've got, because you know what, brother? In three years, we're averaging 1,600 people in this church. See what I'm talking about? The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. The next thing that Jesus says to them is not only is the harvest plentiful and the workers are few, but then he gives kind of what we think of as a little bit of a warning. And he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Look at verse three again, down to verse three. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. You see, that's called exegesis. I'm really good at telling you what the passage says there. All right, now, that's not real encouraging, is it? There's a dark world out there. It's like a raging wolf that's hungry. 
And you're going to be a little innocent lamb that's going to go encounter it. Now, who wants to sign up for that? Okay, I withdraw my three-year pledge. Don't want to do that. You didn't tell me there were raging wolves out there that were going to try to eat me. Now, if you do this in your own power, if you go out through your ability and your power, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get eaten by a wolf. That's what's going to happen. But guess who is sending you and calling you to go? The God of the universe. You're going in his power, his glory, his name, his spirit. Go, I'm sending you. The world out there is like a bunch of raging wolves. And you're going to go to that raging world with love and care and peace and gentleness. And it's going to be like they're going to attack you, trying to ravage you. But guess what's going to happen? You have the power of God. They don't. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, but you don't have to be afraid. Because I'm the one sending you. You're going in my power, not your power. So that's the first thing that we see here in our scripture is that Jesus is calling us to go. He's sending us out. People are prepared if we will just go and make a difference in the world. Now, I look out there right now and what I see is this. We can make a difference just if every person in this room today said, I'm going to do something to make a difference in this world. What, what, what an opportunity we have. That brings us to the second thing that we see. When we go out into the world, there's going to be two reactions. So he's called us to go. We go. When you go out into the world, there's going to be two reactions. The first reaction is what you do, what you say, who you are. Some people are going to like it and welcome it. Okay. They are the people that respond. Okay. So, so you go out and some people are going to like what you say. They're going to respond to what you say. Look at verse five. When you enter a house, first say peace to peace of this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. When you enter into a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal their sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So what are we to do when we go out into the world? Jesus said what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to make a difference in people's lives. Uh, The example he gives is healing the sick. It could have just as easily have been uh, feeding the hungry, uh, helping the depressed, uh, encouraging the grieving, uh, 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 giving peace to those who are anxious. Uh, But he says, go out and make a difference in the world. But then the interesting thing he says in verse 9 is to tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. If you want to know what the mission is as you're going, it's to bring the kingdom of God into a dark world. It's to bring a bit of heaven into a world that sees none of it. So when people are hurting, you bring them the hope of God. When people are grieving, you let them know that there is someone that is standing right by their side to go with them every single step of the way. When people are hungry, you feed them. You're making a difference in a dark world. And when you go out, there will be all kinds of people that will welcome you when you do that and will be glad you were there. They are those who are ripe for the harvest and they will respond when you go out. Our job is to bring the kingdom of God to a dark world. You're the light in a world that is dark. And as you go out and make a difference in someone's life, then a light has begun to shine in the darkness. Now, I'm going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone and do something to help me here. 
Let's see. Who wants to volunteer? This group or that group? This group wants to volunteer. If everybody over here would simply stand up, okay? So, this group represents Westport Road Baptist Church, all right? Thank you all for representing us today. Some of y'all are going, couldn't we got a better section to represent? No, just kidding, just kidding. No, no, just kidding, just kidding. All right, now, if they are Westport Road Baptist Church and you all are the city of Louisville, does the job see a little bit overwhelming on what they have to do? Sure it does. But all they are called to do is to make a difference in their lives. The people they work with, their, their, their people in school with, their family, their friends. And so what happens is that suddenly, because of the life that they're living, people begin to slowly respond. And so Brent Harris stands up. And goes over here. Thank you, Brent. Lauren Beatty stands up. Scott Roby stands up. Shelby Simpkins stands up. Emily Becker stands up. And suddenly, because of just the life they're living in the world, a ray of light has come into the darkness. And then these rays of light begin to touch other people's lives. They care for someone. They encourage someone. They help someone. They lead someone to Christ. And the light begins to spread in the darkness. Thank you all. Thank you, Westport Road Baptist Church over there as well. Thank you. Thank you. So that's what we're called to do in a world of darkness to start bringing those bits of light that make a difference. So some people are going to hear and respond. They're the ones ripe to harvest. The second reaction is if some people are going to hear and respond, let's see how smart you are. What's the second reaction? Some people won't. Okay? Some people won't care and they won't respond. You can give them peace and love and forgiveness and they'll throw it right back in your face. Anybody ever have that happen to them? This week? (laughs) As you're going through. So it's not always going to be people that are going to welcome what you have, what you hear, or what you say. Keep reading in our scripture uh, down to verse 10. But when you enter a town and you are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of the town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Really interesting. Now, this group's going to be sorry they volunteered if you all would stand up again. And so they start trying to make a difference in the world. They go out, they're loving people, forgiving people, trying to lead people to Christ. Uh, And what happens is there's not much change out there. Nobody stands up anywhere across the city of Louisville. So have they failed in what they were trying to do? And the answer is no. Because you know what the last verse we just read was? The kingdom of God still came near. People that were hating and angry saw love maybe for the first time in their life. They may not have understood it, and they may have rejected it. But for them, the kingdom of God still came near. Thank you all very much. You'll sit somewhere else next week, I know, but, but that, that's okay. That's our job. Your job isn't to save anybody. Your job isn't to bring a change to anybody. That's what the Spirit of God does. Your job is to simply live your life in a positive way so the kingdom of God comes near. 
And then it's up to each individual to respond. The light has shined, but do I want it or not? Have you ever been in a dark room and the lights are turned on? What do you immediately do? Shield your eyes. Why do you do that? Because light can be scary and blinding when you've never seen it before. And there are people out in the world that when they see light, they don't know how to respond to it. But the kingdom of God has still come near. Now, it's interesting in verse 13, Jesus is perplexed that more people aren't responding. He says, woe to you, Corazon, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performing you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon of the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down into hell. And so what Jesus is saying is this. This is Jesus talking about his own ministry. And he's saying... I can't believe I've been in towns and I've healed people who couldn't walk. I've healed the blind. I've taken the dead and raised them to life. And people still aren't responding. And he said, listen, if this had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah wouldn't have been destroyed. Everybody there would have run and been saved. And so he says, I can't believe the hardness of some people's hearts. So some people are going to respond. Some people are not. That brings us to the last thing that we see. When we answer the call to go, we're going to see some amazing things. When you answer the call to go, he's sending you. You finally say, okay, I'm going to try to make a difference this week. When you answer that call to go, some amazing things happen. What are some of the amazing things that happen? Number one, you will have joy. You will have joy. Look down to verse 17. Now the 72 returned with great joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. And again, that in your name is what's important. You're not going in your power. You're going in his power. So the first thing we see is they returned with great joy. When you go out into the world and you start trying to help someone, you start trying to make a difference in somebody's life, you start trying to be light in a world that's darkness, forgiving to people who've never seen forgiveness in their life. When you do that and you see changes taking place, you're going to be filled with joy. Have you ever seen people when they come back from a mission trip? Man, they're all fired up. Have you seen a youth group when they come back from camp? They're ready to take over the world, you know. Uh, okay, man, let's go. Now, it, it wears off in a week or two, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and pretty soon you're gossiping about somebody's boyfriend again or, or something like that. But, you know, for the first week or two, you're back from camp. Man, you're fired up. Because when you see God working and when you're a part of something good going on that's making a difference in people's lives, you get excited about it. So when you go into the world and you start trying to make a difference, it's going to excite you. I tell people all the time, sometimes I'll go like to a nursing home or something. And I'll, I'll visit a shut-in in a nursing home or something like that. When you leave, I feel like I've been blessed more than they were. You know, when you see the faith and the love and the care of some of these people and, and uh, you know, you get the joy. So you'll have joy. A second thing that will happen is that you will be a conqueror. We talked last week, we're more than conquerors. You, the conqueror was you as you went out into the world. So the 72 returned with great joy. And look at what Jesus says to them in verse 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So the 72 returned, they're all excited. They're all filled with joy at what's taking place. And Jesus said to them, while you were out there doing those good things, bringing the kingdom near, shining light in darkness, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky because he couldn't stand against you. 
Now, we think of Satan out there as the all-powerful grand poopah of this world or something like that. The fact is, the only power Satan will ever have is the power you give him. And so when you go into the world with Jesus Christ and you hurt, you help someone who is hurting, you feed someone who is hungry, what you do is that you bring someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ to saving knowledge in him and you bring light into the darkness. Satan falls like lightning. Have you ever been to Mammoth Cave and they turn the lights off and they light one match? And in that utter darkness, one match makes the whole room explode with light. There is a world out there in utter darkness. And every time you bring the kingdom of God near, an explosion of light hits the city of Louisville. And Satan falls like lightning because you're doing what God has called you to do. A third thing we're told that will happen, there's joy, there's conquering, but you will have the power of God. You will have the power of God. Look at verse 19. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing is going to harm you. Now, in eastern Kentucky, they read that verse, and how do they take it? Time for us to grab the copperheads and rattlesnakes. Let's have a good service here. And what happens is you get bit by a copperhead or a rattlesnake. That's not the point of this verse. Let me read it to you again. And see what you think the point is. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. To overcome all of the power of the enemy. And nothing's going to harm you. The point is there is nothing in this world that can stop someone going in the name, the power, and the spirit of God. Because there's nothing in this world that's stronger than that. There is no scorpion. There is no snake. There is no power of the enemy, Satan himself, that is stronger than what you're going to be going out in. The point is nothing's going to stop you when you go out. You're going to make a difference. Now, it doesn't mean everybody in the world is going to respond. Some will. Some won't. But every time you go out and bring the kingdom of God near, that light shines. Nothing's going to stop you. Number four, you'll have eternal life. Who likes that one? You'll have joy, you'll conquer, you'll have power, and you'll have eternal life. So they're all excited. Lord, even demons responded when we went out. And look at what Jesus says to them in verse 20. However, do not rejoice that spirits submitted to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So see, we get it all wrong there. We think this is all, you know, okay, I'm going out and I've got all this power. And what Jesus is saying is, no, I've got all the power and you're going in my name. What you need to rejoice in isn't that you've gotten some power through my name. You need to rejoice that you're in a relationship with me and you're going to spend eternity with me in heaven. That's what you need to rejoice with. See, here's the thing. Church, as Rodney would say, uh, uh, the thing is, it's not about us any longer. You're saved. God's in your life. You're going to heaven. Now it's about you caring about other people. You've been taken care of. God's going to be with you no matter what happens. Good, bad, in between. God's going to walk with you through every valley of the shadow of death. You're okay. And now that you're okay, you can start worrying about other people. So he says, you know, take the mind off of that. You're secure. You have eternal life. And then the last thing we're told that will happen when we go as he sends us, is not only will you have joy, Jesus will have joy 
because you went. Look down to verse 21. Verse 21. At that time, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You hid these things from the wise and the learned, and you have revealed them to your children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So here's Jesus. The 72 have come back. They're all excited. We can't believe everything that happened when we went out in the world. People's lives are being changed. People that are hurting are encouraged. People that have never been forgiven have found forgiveness. People in turmoil and anxiety and depression have found peace. And Jesus was filled with joy. Because, see, we miss sometimes what Jesus is all about. We think what Jesus cares about is our building. You know, we think what Jesus cares about is we're going to have a new preschool. It's going to be state of the art. You're going to sign in with iPads. And everybody's going, ooh, that's the church I want to go to. They're going to have iPad sign-ins. I will be there in a flash. Jesus doesn't care about your iPad sign-in. Jesus cares about you. how your iPad sign-in makes a difference for the children that are being brought into that nursery and for their parents who know that they are secure and safe. That's what Jesus cares about. He cares about people. We care about things and buildings and budgets. Jesus cares about people. And so when you go out in the world and you make a difference in people's lives, it fills Jesus with joy. And then you know what he says? A lot of people won't understand this. You know, you've revealed it to children and the adults don't get it. And so he said, man, but this is the reason they were sent out in the first place, to be lights in darkness. And that's still our call today, to go out to be lights in darkness. Alan and Marcy Funk, a lot of you all know them, missionaries from our church in, uh, in Ethiopia and Somalia. Uh, Marcy's uh, dad was a professor for years uh, at Southwestern Seminary. He was actually interim president uh, uh, for a while at Southwestern Seminary. And her brother... Uh, Cliff Lee is currently the pastor of First Baptist Church, Leesburg, Florida. I don't know if you know anything about First Baptist Leesburg. Leesburg is a town of 25,000 people. So Louisville is a city of almost 700,000. Leesburg has 25,000. <laughs> the church runs about 1,000 people on Sunday morning. It's a very strong First Baptist Church. But they've done something that is incredible there. It started almost 25 years ago. They have a big homeless population in that area, that people coming down and not having a place to stay. So First Baptist Leesburg started providing a place for the homeless to come and have food and to live. Then they found out they had a lot of women coming out of Orlando that had been in the adult entertainment industry, no place to go, a lot of them abused. So they started a women's shelter. Then they saw that there was a real need with girls in the area, uh, single moms who were pregnant, and they started a pregnancy crisis center so they could provide needs for parents uh, who had children and, and to really try to encourage them. Then they started a rehab center for men who were on alcohol and drugs, and then they started one for women who were on alcohol and drugs. Then they started a food pantry that became one of the largest food pantries in central Florida. They began a thrift store, and today First Baptist of Leesburg that only runs about 150 or so more than we do has an eight acre ministry campus with 70 ministries and 500 people a day volunteering in it. Last year, they met the needs of 50,000 people, double the size of their city. 
and 172 people gave their life to Christ through that ministry. That's what one church did, not a whole lot bigger than us, in a place of 25,000 people. What can we do with everyone that is around us and 82% of the people not involved in a church anywhere? It's like hunting in a baited field. You can't turn around without finding somebody that needs Jesus. If that's the case, we ought to be knocking the doors down with people. Go. I'm sending you. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. But all we hear is, come stay and be taken care of. But Jesus is saying, go. I'm sending you. Will you go in your life? Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the love you have for us. We just pray, Lord, that you would give us the encouragement to go as you send. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.